Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Tom Bergender. I'm the coordinator for this year's Pennsylvania Council of the Blind Conference. And I'm here to introduce on ACB Radio and Zoom, Joanne Lieberman. She's going to be presenting a program, Navigating and Optimizing Magnification Solutions. She's going to be talking about, the session will cover the basics of the different types and use of magnification products. Joanne works for Temple University, their TechOwl program. She's well-credentialed to give this presentation, and I'm sure she'll describe her credentials as she goes along. Joanne, it's time for you to step up. Thank you, Tom. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, and we're going to be talking about magnification. Um, a little bit about myself. Uh, for those that may not know, I have progressive vision loss. I've been legally blind since the age of 16 with a progressive retinal disorder. And uh, I've used every level of these magnifications at some point in time. Current vision level now is hand motion at about six inches. So we've gone a long way along this journey here of using low vision devices. Um, talking about the credentialing here, I do have a master's of science degree from Salis University, which was known previously as the College of Optometry, Pennsylvania College of Optometry. And my master of science is in low vision therapy. And I also have certifications from the Academy for Certifications for Rehabilitation and Education Professionals. Take a deep breath. Um, as a, a certified low vision therapist and a certified assistive technology instructional specialist, which means that I had to um, undergo specific training in those uh, disciplines for persons with vision loss, as well as uh, pass a certification test. I also have certification from the Rehabilitation Engineering Society of North America, RESNA, as an assistive technology professional. And that was the only AT um, certification program prior to the, um, the new one at um, ACVREP, um, which is the CADIS one. So I've been around the block many times, uh, but I, I honestly say that I learn something new almost every day. Uh, with the technology. Um, and I don't know if anybody attending can see if indeed my screen is sharing at the moment. It is, Julian. Okay, perfect. Hopefully I can push the slides <laughs> uh, because I wasn't sure if I got into presentation mode in, uh, on the screen share. So I'm hoping that it, it's the case. Anyway, okay, I'm going to go to slide. That's yeah, looking real good. A little bit about uh, tech. Uh, all right. I just went into learning objectives. So let me go back up again. Um, as far as the tech out, technology, our whole lives is the program at Temple University for assistive technology. It's the ATF program for Pennsylvania. And uh, there are six, 56 um, ATF programs that includes all 50 states and six territories. Uh, every one of the programs are run differently. Uh, I would say everyone, but the major mandate is that we are allowed people to explore assistive technology, learn about ex assistive technology, and one of the roles is also to do these type of presentations. Um, and I've done this at conferences and uh, nationally as well as uh, here remotely today. So learning objectives. The whole idea of uh, this uh, today is for you to understand what uh, going from point A to point B on using magnification. Um, the most, uh, I answered the 800 information line at TechAl. The number one question I get is, well, I need a magnifier that makes things very large and is a very big magnifier so I can see the whole screen or the whole page. Uh, contradiction in terms. So we'll talk a little bit about the magnifiers and what optical magnifiers do and how the best to use them. We're also going to talk about the next stages and we're going into electronic magnification, uh, which was normally uh, formerly called closed circuit TVs or video magnification is the term that is commonly used now. And then we'll also talk about some of the things that are built into some of our, our devices currently uh, and what additional features that are involved in those devices. Okay. How do glass magnifiers work? Uh, essentially what they do is think of the funhouse mirrors that you might have grown up with or you've heard about in movies. Um, I just heard someone talk about this on a podcast, how some of the images that are seen um, in Instagram and some of the social media, um, they actually can do filters and all kinds of things with the image. 
And uh, I didn't realize this since I don't see these images anymore, but the, the comment was, yeah, it's amazing how thin that person's waist is and how wide their hips are. And then if you look at the, in the back of the picture, the wall's bent. Ah, same kind of ideas when you're using a magnifier. What happens is the, the degree of magnification for things to be shown enlarged under uh, a glass or acrylic magnifier, the lens has to be curved. So when you pick up some, um, you know, dime stores, I call them, uh, now I'm showing my age, uh, or, uh, you know, the pharmacy or the dollar store magnifiers, depending how strong they are, if you put your fingers across the glass, you can actually feel a curve in the lens. Uh, Most typical ones you find at the dollar store, generally speaking, or, or what they refer to as a 4X is a maximum that you'll get. They're generally one to uh, 1.25 or uh, one times magnifier up to maybe four times. And so the degree of curvature is not that significant. But when you start getting into the, the magnification levels that's needed on uh, for uh, someone who is low vision, then we're talking about in- increasing the curvature in order for it to appear larger. And what happens when you increase the curvature of the lens it, it makes it distorted on the sides when you're talking about the steep slope. So the best optical view is within the center of that curve. So in the center of the magnification is where you want to have the focus. And so when the curve is that steep, the lens becomes smaller and smaller. So it goes back to that, that question when people say to me, I need a, a, a large magnifier with high magnification. Then I say, then you're talking electronic magnification because like an optical magnification level, um, if you are talking, say, a magnifier that's maybe two times uh, the magnification, you're probably talking may, uh, maybe or three times magnification, maybe four inches in diameter. But if you're talking about anything that's higher than a four or five power magnification, then you're going to be talking about lenses that go down to uh, maybe two and a half inches wide uh, in the diameter. So we're talking about a small field of magnification before, um, so that you need to read differently with it. In addition to that, it's also a different focal distance. So you're talking about using a magnifier that's a handheld magnifier, for example. You're going to have to either hold it closer to the object or further away from the object. Likewise, if you're wearing any kind of prescription glasses it may, that have magnification in it, you have to compensate for that. So I always use the, the rule of thumb uh, when using handheld magnifiers is that you want to place it on the object and pull it away from the object and, and closer to your eye till you end up seeing it better. Can you hit the next slide? Sorry. Can you get that? Okay. Okay, the types of, of uh, glass magnifiers. Now, you have ones that are, again, uh, the handheld ones, and you also have ones that are stand magnifiers. Uh, the difference, as I described a little bit earlier, is that the stand magnifier, or the handheld magnifiers are ones that you have to hold, and you have to hold it at a precise distance. A stand magnifier is a lens that's built into a, a plastic platform. Um, like, I usually say they're plastic, uh, seen them in anything else actually they're on a longer handle more like a flashlight um, handle so they are placed directly on top of the object and you don't have to hold it at a precise height because the uh, stand uh, lens itself is at the precise focal distance now the difference may be that uh, depending of whether you're wearing prescription lenses or not you know bifocals in your glasses or whether you need, uh, again, or you need other uh, types of magnification, you may have to pull it closer or further away from your face uh, while still maintaining on that object. And I usually recommend when you're talking about using those type of magnifiers is to put it on a flat surface, maybe even a reading stand, and uh, then move it across the screen uh, to be able to use it. So we're talking uh, you know, handheld magnifiers that so can be uh, with lights or without lights. We're talking stand magnifiers that can include uh, lights or not have lights as well. And so when we're talking about questions to consider when you're choosing a magnifier, certain things that you want to think about um, is, A, um, what type of reading you're going to be typically doing. Uh, because if you choose a magnifier of, say, one particular um, strength, uh, and I, I neglected to mention earlier that uh, when you're looking at magnifiers, say in a catalog, or if you get one from your eye doctor in a low care uh, 
you know, low vision specialist, it'll have two different ways that it's described. It'll have an, something with an X and it'll have something with a D on it. Uh, D stands for diopters, which is the, um, the curvature of the lens. And the X is the, obviously the power or the magnification level. And sometimes you get magnifiers that only have Ds on it. So I always tell people the, the rule is um, diopters are more, so you divide by four. That was a little mnemonic that we heard uh, back when uh, I was in grad school. So that's roughly um, a fourth of the diopter is the power of the magnification. So um, when you, I get back to those ones you pick up at the, at the dollar store, if it says it's a 4X magnification, uh, then, it's, then it is definitely 16 diopters, um, which would be the, the, you know, the slope that would be um, uh, the relationship. Okay, so think about, think about this. Okay, if you're getting a handheld magnifier at a pers- per, you know, particular strength, okay, so I'll say a 2X or a 3 go with it, make it 4X magnifier since I'm talking that way. Um, and if you use a 4X magnifier, that's going to make whatever appears under it four times larger. So think about that what you're looking at. Four times larger of the, of the newspaper, for example, would be um, that would make it uh, essentially the font to be more closer to 40, uh, 40 PT, 40 points, um, as it, it's normally about 10-point font. If you're looking at a medicine bottle, for example, that is typically 0.4 font. So we're talking much smaller, so you'll need a stronger magnifier to read that medicine bottle. So what may happen if you decide that acrylic magnifiers or glass magnifiers are the way you want to go, you may end up having to buy several different uh, power levels for you to achieve that same type of goal. Likewise with a stand magnifier, a stand magnifier may not be ideal for things like reading a price tag or reading um, a medicine bottle, but it's great for using long-term reading because it sets, you know, you don't have to worry about holding it at a precise focal distance. It's going to work uh, better just moving it across the screen. So those are things you've got to think about. Other things to think about is sometimes contrast sensitivity is a big issue. Uh, I, when I had my own small um, consulting business and people would come in, I was almost like a little informal survey I was taking on individuals that were uh, diagnosed with macular degeneration and I would pull out something as simple as a um, acetate sheet, you know, those color sheets. And I would then test them out and see what contrast level was better for them. And surprisingly, there were, um, it was really interesting because it was 50-50. There were 50% of the people that would come in. Um, and again, this is, I don't have data to really support this. So just by observation, some people would say, wow, that made it much better to read the newspaper. You know, I put it on that gray piece of paper with uh, gray text on it, and all of a sudden, wow, I can read the text. Or um, other people would say, no, it didn't make a difference at all. Um, so, and some people found the, the bright yellow color annoying. So it really depends on the individual, the, the tryout, but that sometimes is a, something to take into consideration because just changing the contrast sometimes can make it better for people to see. So these are some of the considerations that you want to make, uh, questions you want to ask for low vision. And this is, again, going back to that determining the power level that you need. Um, and this is kind of go across the board with all magnification levels. Now, in grad school, we were all to measure the uh, by centimeters um, the size of the text and then the relationship of the size of the text that they need it in order to see it clearly. Um, you know, again, that's the scientific method. But generally speaking, I also think that we need to look at it in real terms of what are they using it? Um, magnification for. It's one thing if you're measuring using an eye chart, you know, a near reading chart um, for them to determine because those letters are on high contrast paper. They're bolded. They're, uh, typically, the letters are spaced far apart. But if we're talking real-time functional vision, I usually like to demonstrate with several pro- you know, objects, such as a newspaper, such as um, the insert in a medicine, um, you know, bottle, um, you know, that type of things, real-time things. Also thinking about it as well is what kind of objects you're looking at. If you have a really high power magnifier, say, um, maybe something as high as uh, six or eight times magnification, um, then you're going to realize that, the, again, the lens is going to be very small. You're going to have to be able to uh, move it across the the line or uh, to see the full word 
And it very well may end up being, a, you have to learn to read, um, rather reading saccadically, reading letter by letter, and then putting the, words, the letters together and getting a whole word, and then adding it to the sentence. So with that said, choosing the power of the magnification really comes down to what are you going to be looking at most frequently, and what are you most comfortable looking at. Um, I just had a low vision exam recently, as I mentioned, but in previous ones, when they would do a reading chart on me, um, that I always would kind of snicker saying, yeah, but if everything looked like this, I wouldn't have as much of a problem. And they also, the doctors then would put lenses in to optimize what your great, the uh, smallest threshold you could go. And granted, I could probably see a line lower if I really strained and looked at it for a long time. So I always look at it from a functional standpoint is what are you comfortable looking at? Um, and so that all comes into play when you talk about it. So not all magnifiers, the lessons you're going to learn today, are created equal um, as far as power is concerned. Uh, one size does not fit at all. You need to v- find the right power that works for you and, and for the uh, right task that you want to work with. So it's the... It, yeah. Now we talked about this, uh, you know, briefly I mentioned the rating, um, the near vision charts. Um, I have several of them too that I purchased for purposes of trying out different levels of magnification for people. And they are held at a precise distance. So that typically they, it's roughly nine inches, 16 centimeters, so that you can hold it at a certain uh, distance. So it, most people would want to read comfortably. Now, with that said, a low vision person frequently is going to be pulling that um, near reading chart closer because your eye automatically becomes a magnifier. I guess you all didn't know that because the closer you put things together uh, to your eye, the larger it takes up the image on the retina so that it actually enlarges it um, on the retina for you. So you already have a built-in magnifier and by just by using the distance, by pulling it closer, so when you use a clinical a near reading chart, the reason why they do all these measurements is because that plays a factor in what type of prescription that they're going to recommend for you as far as magnification. So in other words, if you're very comfortable holding things four inches from your nose, um, that could be something that you know we'd think about as far as a higher power magnification. But if it's something that you can't sustain or you wouldn't feel comfortable holding it that close, um, then we were going to have to think about doing something else as far as uh, providing an op- another option for magnification levels. I just hit the mouse button. Will it work? <laughs> okay. I like to do environmental comparisons. And, um, and I use this because I, when I do, especially now, because we're doing remote um, evaluations over the phone and people ask me for advice on uh, what type of magnification I usually start with the largest that they could possibly see on the newspaper so in other words the very large headlines if they can see the very large headlines um, then it's typically the comparison comes down to then your vision is about 20 over 400 so if you want to do the rough math there you were talking you need to have something 20 times larger for them to be able to see it at the same typical vision so when someone says, yeah, they can read the, and I always start with the, the biggest, and there's a rationale for that, um, and it, because it gets a comfort level for people. And then if I go down to the next sub-headline, so that'll tell you, okay, that they're 20, either 2,200, then keep going down a smaller size, down it's you know, 2,100, um, then you keep going down smaller to down to the medicine bottle. Uh, the medicine bottle, you really do have to have 2020 vision to read it. Um, so with that in mind, it gives me an idea of where their, their level is without having to do a reading uh, assessment, you know, get the eye report. Because no one gives me an eye report as much as I like it. Uh, rarely do I get that submitted when people uh, come to talk to me. Now, we talked about contrast considerations before. And if somebody would benefit from having uh, alternative contrast And I usually refer to that a lot of times as negative polarity. I do know that when there are people that use computer technology, for example, they'll tell me that their eyes get really tired by the end of the day because they've been looking at this white screen. I often will suggest even just in uh, people that have typical vision to consider doing the high contrast. So it would be reverse colors. 
Um, so whatever is white will be black um, and vice versa. Whatever is uh, black will be white. And that gives your eyes a little bit of a break uh, for one thing. And it also then for uh, some individuals, pretending on, particularly on whatever eye condition they have, I frequently find that very comfortable for people that have glaucoma, uh, for example, because and they have a, a higher uh, glare sensitivity. So contrast uh, considerations, uh, I've had individuals that needed a higher, con- excuse me, a higher magnification level um, then when we switch to a different color contrast, say on an electronic magnifier, they actually could reduce the magnification level. So that means that they could get more out under that lens at a smaller size. And so it increased their reading speed. Okay. Reading spectacles. Um, you know, we first talk about bifocals uh, with individuals and that's what's built into your lens. Uh, and the, the downside of uh, bifocals are they can only go so thick. They can only go so far, especially if you're myoptic to begin with, if you're nearsighted to begin with. Um, when you have distance correction, it is a negative um, curve. So it curves one way. And the bifocal or the magnification lens is a plus curve. So it really becomes very complicated to put high levels of uh, magnification in a uh, bifocal lens. Um, usually you see that when people, it, the most it usually goes to is probably 1.5 um, in the magnification uh, level. So we're not really talking very high diopters that it can put into lenses. However, sometimes that's just enough of a push that you might want to add, that you can add magnification by using a handheld magnifier. So I always ask individuals if they have a bifocal lens in there and if they have any uh, idea how large uh, or how strong that magnification is. Uh, I know most people don't know their prescription um, on on their glasses. So I do try and do a a guesstimate on that. So, you know, that's some of the considerations that we think about with with, uh, spectacle mounted. Now, you can get uh, spectacle mounted glasses or excuse me, skeptical reading glasses and I think there's an image there of uh, some half-eye glasses. Um, and the stronger the magnification is, more likely they're going to go with the half-eye because of the curve uh, so that you can look above it if you want to see, look at a distance or give your eyes a break. And when you're re- looking down to read through, you're looking through the half-eye lens of the magnification, the stronger magnification. Um, the interesting fact with the reading spectacles, however, is that you really do have a very fixed focal distance. So um, it, it, they're great because they, um, you don't have to hold a magnifier because it's on your nose. However, the, you do have to hold the object at a very precise distance. So the higher the magnification, the closer you're going to have to hold it to your nose. And after a while, that newspaper gets really heavy <laughs> if you're reading it for a long time, especially some of the, you know, if you're trying to read a textbook that way. As I said, been there, done this one. <laughs> Okay, and I already talked about reading spectacles, so I'm going to move on. Uh, by the way, if anybody would like this PowerPoint, I'm more than happy to email it to you. Uh, just let it me know. My contact information is at the end of the uh, slides out here, but you can always get it through PCB. I'd be happy to share it with you. Okay, so handheld magnifiers, getting back to that. Again, they come in various shapes. Uh, the stronger the magnification, the necessity for it to be a circle. Um, there are some rectangular magnifiers out there, but typically you'll never see them past 3.5. Uh, most commonly, they're 3.25 magnification level, so they're not quite that um, as strong as making it that much larger. So once you get past that level, then they need to go into a circular form. And so, again, the higher the magnification, the smaller the size of the screen. You have to carry it and put them at a, a precise focal distance away from um, the object of regard where the text you're trying to read, as well as from your eye. Now, I mentioned this a little bit earlier now, but it bears repeating. Um, My tip is that I usually have people, when they try out a magnifying glass, I actually had people come into my office that had, uh, that they got a magnifying glass either through their uh, low vision exam or if they bought it through catalogs, which is a very common way people buy these. Uh, and they said, but, you know, it, it turns upside down. I said, no, the image doesn't turn upside down. It's that you're not using it properly. 
So I usually try to tell people the curve is supposed to be facing you, for one thing. So if you can feel the curve in the top of the lens, make sure it's facing you. Uh, so the flat part is down toward the object which you're trying to look at. Secondly, um, is that if you don't have it at the precise distance, it may appear upside down. Uh, so what you need to do is, it's kind of a funky thing that goes on with, with your retinas. So what you want to do is you want to start with the magnifier placed on the surface that you're looking at and then pull it away closer, closer to you. It sounds simple, but I can't tell you how many times people have come in and they said, this magnifier doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, let's start this way. And I start, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, now I can see it. Um, because they, the, the prescription was right. The lens was the proper magnification for them. They just weren't using it properly. So now you all know. And again, as far as getting back to light, um, there are individuals that really benefit from having a light directly on the magnifier itself, uh, on the object they're reading. So a lot of the magnifiers do come with um, lights included in there. Uh, they used to be these little tiny little light bulbs. Now they're LEDs for the most part, uh, which are a longer life uh, rather than the little bulbs. Um, also battery life too. They don't take as much energy. So they will then usually be underneath of the uh, curved part. So they're near the flat surface of the magnifier. And so then it will shine directly onto the object um, that you're looking at. And I say, for some people, this is really great. But I've had, again, other individuals, for example, that may have really severe cataracts or have glaucoma where the glare sensitivity is too much for them. So they don't like that bright light. And so I usually recommend either not using the, the light at magnifier, the light part, or just using a magnifier without the illumination. Okay. Okay, we went through the curved surface and we went through this, so I'm going to slip again to the next one. Now, one of the things I want to mention about reading with a handheld magnifier, going back to that whole physics of being one magnifier, uh, being uh, the lens being smaller, uh, not only do you have to hold it at a precise distance, but again, you're depending how strong a magnifier is, I actually have some uh, 14 times magnifier. Um, that's quite strong. Remember, divide by four for all the diopters, that curve is quite steep. The lens itself is about the size of a dime. So with that said, I'm only getting, I may get the letter 14 times bigger, but I'm only getting one letter or actually part of the letter uh, under the glass. So it does require you to have some patience. Um, I had one customer come in years ago who said he was reading uh, David McCollum's book on um, John Adams with a handheld magnifier. I'm like, oh my. And it was like a 6X magnifier. And so it was about three, you know, again, two and a half inches in diameter. And I said, wow, how long is it taking you? To, he goes, well, I, I'm retired. I've got a lot of time. I'm like, okay, I wouldn't be that patient. Um, and again, it takes a cognitive load too, because chances are at that point, he was only getting maybe one or two words at a time under that lens. So he had to see the lens, uh, what's under there, move it across to get to the next line. Um, hello, Tom Berger, he's back. <laughs> okay, with stand magnifiers, as I mentioned briefly before about stand magnifiers, they, are, they already have the focal distance already set for you, um, depending on how strong a magnifier you are the closer it will appear to the um, image. So I always use the example of that uh, 3.25 stand magnifier typically is a rectangle and it's typically then set at approximately three, four inches away from, actually more like three inches away from this uh, page that you're looking at. But if you're talking about a magnifier, um, stand magnifier that is of uh, 8x, for example, then you're probably talking the stand itself is only lifted at about, from the page, about a half an inch. So that's all relative to, again, how much um, magnification is needed. And again, you'll get the smaller image uh, amount of text under that larger uh, strength magnifier. I usually recommend when you're using a stand magnifier to um, use it either with a reading stand or using it on a, a flat surface such as a lap desk or a tabletop. You may have to lean over into it 
And that's why I suggest using a reading stand if you're going to be doing anything for a longer period. You know, book stands, um, they would prop it up uh, and so that you could just glide the, the, uh, from side to side a lot more comfortably um, if you're reading something that's a whole page, for example. But again, you might have to look down into the center of the uh, stand magnifier because you're not going to be moving that magnifier up and down closer to your face. It's going to be set at a precise distance away from the um, object of regard. Okay, again, going back to that sheet magnifiers, people love to ask about sheet magnifiers. I want to see a whole page at the same time. Uh, the sheet magnifiers magnification levels maxes at 1.5. I've never seen anything stronger than a 1.5 magnification. Again, you have to hold it at a precise distance, so you're holding something that is the size of a eight and a half by 11 sheet, at a certain height level for however long it takes you to read that particular sheet. Um, it's really a, more effective for people whose vision's better than 20 over 200, probably closer to 20 over 100. Um, if you figure out that from, again, going to that print equivalent, that gives you a, a rough idea of what size magnifier they might need. Okay. Choose, again, using the sheet magnifier, um, it, the, if you do tilt it, um, you'll get some distortion. What they are is actually concentric circles um, within um, the two lines, two sheets of uh, plexiglass. Uh, so if you tilt it, part of it's going to be uh, distorted because it's further away or it'll appear blurrier. So again, having it at a precise distance. Now, they do make some stands that you can clamp them on. Um, and that actually allows you then to set it in front of a book stand, for example. And I had success with some individuals, again, which may have acuity somewhere between 20 over 100 and 20 over 200, using it in that way. Um, going back to that whole, whole idea of the size of text, someone's reading a large print book with a um, sheet magnifier well, could probably get away with it if their vision was 20 over 200, um, maybe even a little bit worse. Again, depending on um, the level of um, magnification and the lighting and all those other things are taken into consideration. Okay, I'm going to get into electronic magnification in a second, but one other thing I want to mention about any of the acrylic or glass magnifiers, um, you know, when I was growing up, always they said to put over the, the light over your right shoulder, or was it the left shoulder? I don't even remember anymore. But it always that way. And then when you start using magnifiers, you realize that that may or may not be true. Um, task lighting is very important for it to be uh, focused on the device. That's why magnifiers have lights built into them. But one of the things you've got to consider if you're using a, uh, any of those glass magnifiers or acrylic magnifiers, uh, if the, the light is very important not to be directed right on the magnifier, because then you're going to get a, a big uh, glare hotspot. And so that is going to be not only uncomfortable, but it'll also uh, reduce the efficiency of using that magnifier. So keep that in mind. Lighting positioning is very important, whether it's included in the uh, magnifier or whether it's uh, focused on what you're trying to look at. Uh, avoid, if you can at all costs, having it um, uh, you know, to the point where it's shining right on the magnifier. Okay, electronic magnifiers. And I, I break them down by several different categories, electronic magnifiers. Uh, for those of us who have been using this type of equipment for a very long time, like myself, uh, since 1976, I had my first one, um, they've come a long way. Um, you know, originally, they were connected to what was essentially a television, um, and it was a camera that was much like they used in the cameras for TV um, reporters that had these great big cameras that be, they'd mounted on their shoulders. Well, likewise with these, they'd be mounted in a stand, and it was called closed circuit because the camera was only going directly to, wasn't broadcast to anything. It was co connected directly to uh, in a closed circuit to a monitor device, which was very similar to a TV. Often they were TVs, the, original, the first ones were used that way. Then they started uh, coming out with, uh, in the early, uh, late 1990s, they were coming out with the portable ones, the handheld ones. Uh, and then they, I refer to the, a lot of them as the desktop, excuse me, the tabletop models. So it's a step up from the smaller screens of the, of the handheld ones, um, but it, it also allows you to put it flat on a table and have it tilted. 
Um, and then we also talk about the regular ones that was from the traditional, the uh, in-line monitor and camera, and the ones that had the flex arm uh, cameras mounted. So we'll get into a little more detail on those coming up. And we talked about the pocket and purse size ones. We talked about the ones that were the tabletop size, and we talked about desktop ones. So we'll get into detail coming up. And you know, before we get into the details, think about how you're going to use these. And this is the AT professional coming out of me. Um, you know, you'll get vendors, they'll tell you that, that this will solve all your problems if you get one of these big closed TVs or video magnifiers. And quite frankly, I'm not taking that to the Acme with me, okay? Um, there are things, times where that it works really great, and um, that's sometimes the options are, are not as good. For example, and I like to talk about the smaller pocket size ones, and that includes things like the um, Freedom Scientific. Ruby, uh, the Optelec uh, line of magnifiers. Um, Humanware has some too. Uh, the Enhanced Vision has them. They, they all, a lot of the major manufacturers have them. Um, and they can, again, it depends on the size. We talk about your pocket or purse size. Um, I've seen the smallest one we have in our lending library at TechAl is probably about a, a 2.5 inch square. Um, that's the Optelec Mini. Um, as far as the screen size. And so for reading a book with that, uh, yeah, okay. If you have really, you know, pretty high functioning acuity, you could get away with it. But if you need really strong magnification, then uh, it's really going to be tedious, but it's perfect to take with you if you, what, you, what you need to do is check the price tag. Um, a lot of them also have, these pocket ones have uh, freeze features, and we'll get into some of these other features uh, as well. The tabletop ones, the advantage of those is that, that they can also have a tilt screen, so you're not leaning over. So it's more like a natural uh, position for reading. And again, the desktop video magnifiers allow you for a lot greater ease to doing things in addition to reading, um, writing, writing out your checks, um, completing you know, crossword puzzles, uh, even doing some crafts uh, projects as well. And what they, the pocket size ones usually are, as I mentioned, the screen size, uh, I, I consider the pocket size ones anywhere from a 2.5 up to a 5-inch screen. Uh, once you start getting past the 5-inch screen, it's not as easy to put it in your pocket or your purse. Uh, you might need a bigger bag for that. Um, what they all do is they all, um, they all have options for a fixed level of magnification or a variable level of magnification. Typically, they um, start out at a lower magnification and then can zoom in. Um, I, things like the Ruby, for example, have fixed focus at four different levels, up to nine times magnification. Now, go back to that physics again. So if you're magnifying something nine times, uh, chances are you're only going to get a few letters on the screen, depending on the size of the print you're looking at. So if it's magnified nine times, um, that's about the highest it goes. It's a, it claims it's 10, but it's closer to 9 if I did the math. Um, and, but there are the four, four fo, you know, fixed levels. But if you open up the a little uh, arm that comes with it, uh, it's folded underneath it when you typically get it. And many of the devices have some mechanisms for this. Uh, then it becomes a variable focus. So like the uh, regular handheld magnifiers, the closer you make something, the larger it's going to be. So it will zoom in automatically um, and at a higher level of magnification. So a lot of times for the people, uh, people that come to my, uh, you know, from my office for an evaluation, I do remind them, I said, you know, depending on what you want to do, this may be a great solution. Um, the pocket magnifiers, most of them also don't include, um, you know, the electronic ones will also have uh, the level to, ability to freeze that image. So I use that as, a, as an example. I was at the, a library one time, and um, I was demonstrating these the Ruby to a library um, a librarian. And she said, well, I have a little bit of vision loss myself. I said, okay, this is how you can do it in reading um, the spines of the book, uh, reading the Dewey Decimal System. So you could read the Dewey Decimal numbers on it by, um, again, taking the video magnifier, placing it uh, close to where you may not be able to see it if it's up high, uh, but you can do a freeze and then bring it close to you. And again, all of them have the ability to enlarge even when it's frozen. 
the image then frozen. So it's like kind of like captures an image temporarily, and then you can enlarge that. The nice thing about all the video magnifiers out there, they do have the contrast uh, changes that you can make. So as I mentioned, some people can actually see better if they choose a different alternative contrast field. So uh, I've had people that you know, needed the magnification higher when they were the uh, full color or the white with black, but they actually could reduce the magnification for reading if they change the color contrast. And when I talk about choosing the, the pocket size magnifier, it really comes down to what your tasks are and um, price point. They generally run in prices anywhere from, um, I guess the HD, the high definition models usually start around closer to $600. Um, but it depends on the different manufacturer. I think the cheapest one I saw uh, was somewhere around $300. Uh, dollars, um, and I think that was one from Enhanced Vision. So there are, you know, there are some various um, price points with them as well. So it's usually best to either try out the one that works best for you, and you can do that at TechAl, uh, one way to do it, or ask for a demonstration with the, the vendor near you. And then, uh, again, choose what really works best for you for that task that you're going to do. Um, I have a woman that I just been working with that uh, has a video magnifier system in her home, a desktop, uh, but she is, does all the shopping. So she wants to be able to read all the, um, the price tags. Uh, she wants to be able to read the, uh, on the uh, grocery store shelf. She wants to be able to read what the label says there, especially the size and sale. So she's also in the process of acquiring a, um, again, one of the pocket size magnifiers for that, electronic magnifiers. And again, it comes down to using it. Um, it really comes down to what type of activity you're going to be doing. Um, so um, for long-term reading, I usually recommend people keep it flat on the object so that your arms don't get tired uh, if you're reading it for long-term. Um, and then again, either using a book stand if you needed to prop it up um, or a lap desk to make it more comfortable for you if you're doing it for long-term. But for short-term, it's not, again, it's really effective to use that handle um, and then use it as a variable magnifying level. Choose and take advantage of the freeze feature. If you're uh, something you're zooming in, uh, you want to see that's a further distance away that you can't get close enough to see. So um, that helps out a lot um, in using those devices. Tabletop, it seems to be, you know, I, I call it that. And again, I don't even know if that's a term that it's commonly used in the industry. However, I've had some vendors say they like that term because most likely you're going to be using this either on some type of flat surface, um, such as either a lap desk or a tabletop. And um, most times you're going to be using it where it's uh, the camera is centered in the uh, center of the bottom of the device. So everything's laid, you lay on top of it and you move from left to right. Um, tabletop ones, as I call them, uh, generally start at seven inch um, in diameter. Uh, for those who want to get a perspective, that's the size of most of the Kindles. Uh, if they have a Kindle book reader, that's about a seven inch screen that's on there. Uh, but I have seen them as large uh, and the newer ones that are out there can also uh, have a 10 inch screen. So um, I, I start laughing saying they're no longer portable to me, but okay. Um, again, it really depends on what the function is. Um, keep in mind the larger the magnification you need, uh, the more geography you're going to get as far as what you can see on the screen if you buy a larger screen. So there are some individuals that are using, going back to that uh, 9, uh, 9X on a Ruby, for example, uh, the pocket size one, they're going to have to use a lot more movement to read something uh, across the screen. So uh, because just the virtue of the fact that it is only a 3.5-inch screen, whereas on a 7-inch screen, they'd, they'd have to move it um, half the time uh, that you would. Some people, that's a big difference, especially if they've been long-time book readers. Um, this may make an important decision for them. Okay. Um, again, I would find them most practical for people that are going to be reading books, uh, reading longer articles in magazines. They're not really great for spot reading. I wouldn't exactly expect, although I had somebody take it to the Acme with them, uh, grocery shopping. But generally speaking, um, it's more for at-home use uh, or in the community if you're going to be sitting sedentary and, and, and reading something. Um, that, again, it zooms in. Uh, the camera's in the center. So, um, and that has been, you know, been the case pretty much for the past 15 years where they put the, the camera in the center. The original ones and the pocket ones, they used to have the cameras off to the side, which is very disorienting to me. So I'm glad when they moved it to the center. 
anyway, but that they do have all the color contrast. Um, many of them have a zoom feature, so it's not a fixed like the Ruby where you'd punch it, you know, uh, the different levels of magnification. Most of them have a zoom, a slide zoom, so you can slide in and out to the size magnification that's neat. And going back to what we talked about with the, the, you know, the glass magnifiers, instead of having a drawer full of different size magnification levels, you can have one magnifier that can zoom in and zoom out depending on the size of the magnification you need. So something like a Ruby would be great for reading a, a prescription bottle um, because, and then using it to read the newspaper. So you can use one tool for many uh, reading tasks. Desktop electronic magnifiers, also known as closed-circuit TVs or video magnification systems. And they come, typically they come in uh, two different flavors, um, with a third uh, being that can connect to a computer or a laptop. Uh, most of them, the traditional ones are, are called the inline models. Uh, and that would be something like the uh, Freedom Scientific Topaz uh, systems, the um, Enhanced Vision Merlin systems. They're all in line, and what that means is that a, a monitor's um, placed, uh, connected to the device, uh, above a surface where the camera is located, and a tray is below that has a light that is focused down on it. So you can put your uh, your whatever you're reading under the camera on the tray, uh, which is known as an XY table because uh, it moves X and Y. But um, <laughs> geometry class you had. Um, and you can uh, then you can move it from up and down, right to left, in order to um, follow the text on the screen or take a, a view of an image uh, underneath the camera. So that would be an inline system. Some come with uh, sliders, some come with knobs, and it really comes down to either having a, a chance to try these out at a low vision center or try them out uh, at a assistive technology resource center so that you have a chance to try out which one works best for you. The other options are um, what I call the flex arm ones, um, and that would be the, the line from Enhanced Vision called Acrobat, and it's a camera that's mounted in front of the monitor. What's really nice about those uh, flex arm models is that there's disadvantages and advantages of both. Uh, the advantage of a flex arm model is uh, I had a, an accountant one time that was reading, yes, they're actually reading old-fashioned um, spreadsheets, okay? And so not all the spreadsheet would fit very comfortably, um, you know, accounting book underneath uh, the uh, tray, on the tray of the desktop model. But with the FlexArm, he was able to turn the pages very easily under the FlexArm model so that it was, again, you have the greater room, uh, a range of motion uh, for, I know a lot of people that have tried this using for crafting. I had a customer one time that was actually beading, uh, making jewelry uh, by using uh, the Acrobat uh, video magnifier. And uh, so that gives you an idea of what the flex arm models can do compared to the desktop. Now, the disadvantage is that frequently they have very poor lighting systems or no lighting systems at all. So if you're working in an environment where the ambient light is not that great, or if you need more task lighting on the uh, device, now the cameras are pretty good, but they're not perfect. So I usually say, you know, depending on what the task you're doing, putting in the position where it gives you the best optimal ambient light, the better off you're going to be using a flex on uh, camera. Uh, I mentioned very briefly the ones that go into a computer. Uh, they do have several on the market that do that. Um, and, and again, just talk to the ATRC uh, near you if you want to contact TechAl. I'll be happy to direct you to the right um, location to at least experiment or have a demonstration of them. Now, getting back to choosing the desktop video magnifier, um, you know, I uh, often say, depending on what the task, I'll go back to the AT part, Nate. What are you trying to do? If you're going to be doing this to read your mail and write your checks, um, yeah, a desktop video magnifier probably is a better solution uh, than using some of the tabletop or the handheld magnifiers um, that we mentioned previously. Uh, just because, again, you've got the ability to be able to put your hands underneath the camera and able to then have it focus. It will do uh, focus lock on most of them so that it doesn't blur out as you're writing. Uh, so there's a lot of great features since I started using them in 1976, that's for sure. Um, but if you're going to be doing a lot of handwriting tasks or if you're going to be doing long-term reading um, for extensive periods like college students, I usually recommend at least having a resource where you can have a desktop video magnifier, uh, whether it be a inline system or a flex arm system, so that you can be able to read with greater comfort for longer periods. 
also they they are much larger screen size. So the consideration there is where are you going to put this thing? Um, if you live in a very small apartment um, or an assisted living facility and you have very limited room space, you may want to consider having a desktop video magnifier with a smaller screen or, again, consider going to something like a tabletop video magnifier so it's not quite, doesn't take up as much room. Um, I know the original video magnifier I had, Kosaka uh, TV, took up my took my entire desktop uh, level up. So that <laughs> seemed to be a consideration for many people. Okay, magnification was read aloud. Um, I you know, wanted to let you know that there are new uh, video magnifiers that are out there frequently will have the option to have optical character recognition included. And the advantage of having something uh, capture an image and read it aloud to you and displayed at the same time uh, in many studies, especially for students, it really increases the, uh, the comprehension level. So they're seeing it and they're hearing it at the same time. I also like to say, especially when we're talking about students, it's really important because it gives them the ability to, again, especially if they have a progressive loss, be able to keep that um, visual memory going for what that word looks like and also having the comprehension go up by hearing it at the same time. It also trains them into listening to synthesized speech which I think is invaluable uh, skill to pick up with because uh, many of my older adults have difficulty you know, understanding synthesized speech every time. So as a, and even the portal ones are coming out with those now. A lot of the uh, desktop, uh, excuse me, the tabletop ones are including an option for optical character recognition. I just wanted to mention briefly how it works. Um, it usually you make the image smaller, so you reduce the magnification so it can capture more of the page. And then uh, once you do that, you can enlarge the, uh, after it captures it and does the optical character recognition, you can enlarge it. Uh, you can also do different display options. Some people like to have it like a ticker tape as it um, is going across, just think of just one line at a time appearing on the screen in large. And some people do what they call the prompter, which is like a teleprompter. Uh, so it will start reading aloud from top to bottom, uh, going from left to right uh, with it highlighted. So there's a lot of ways that you can use the display option um, features built into all these devices. And now they're including that as well as in the smaller devices as well. So what I wanted to give you is that there are options already built into the, um, the portable devices, delays in the beginning. And I appreciate your, your appreciate all your attention and um, don't hesitate to contact me. Uh, my phone number is uh, at uh, TechOut is 800-204-7428, where you can visit our website at TechOutPA, that's T-E-C-H, like technology, owl like the bird, like Pennsylvania.org. Thanks very much for everybody's time. Thank you, Julianne.